Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff, the Inham Consumer and Retail Group, and Attentive. OmniTalk Fast Five is a podcast that for today only gives you my best vocal impression of Kathleen Turner and body skinning a cat. It is December 9th. I am your host, Chris Walton. I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are here oh. to once again discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of Omnichannel retailing this week. And where the heck are you? You look like you're in some, some beautiful resort location. Uh, Chris, I am in our Phoenix Bureau for OmniTalk. I feel like at this point we've recorded, what, two shows here in the last two weeks and the weather is only getting worse in Minneapolis. So we may need to to start the Phoenix Bureau of OmniTalk. Um, and there's a lot of cashier, like cashier's checkout happening here. I think we can make a plausible case for our accountant that this is like a tax deductible place for us to be also operating out of during the winter months. I love the idea of a Phoenix satellite office. I think it's fantastic. I mean, we're heading in the winter. I mean, what better place to go? I mean, and, and by the way, like the, I can't believe like we're almost through December. Like NRF yeah. is right around the corner. We've got the manifest <laughs> conference in January right after that. Um, yep. I mean, we got a lot happening here. You know, having an expansion plan with a new office location in Phoenix would be <laughs> Would be definitely on top of my list. You pretty yeah, pumped for I, NRF though? I am. I mean, you always can tell like Christmas is upon us and then you start getting blasted with all the NRF females like right about this time. And, you know, nothing gets you more excited than uh, than getting 42 emails about new companies that you should interview right before the holidays. Right. I do love the, yeah, for those listening, like we get a lot of inquiries from various tech companies about why we should stop by their booth. And they're always, they're always entertaining to read it. We love them, so please keep sending them to us too. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, we have some big big news to share with everyone, Ant. So yeah. for NRF, uh, Lenovo and Nvidia are going to be the co-sponsors of the Innovation Lab this year, which is always the hot spot at the NRF showroom floor. Yes. And they've asked us to be MCs for all their activities and goings ons from that Innovation Lab for the entire week. I'm super excited. We're going to be live streaming like four or five times a day. We're going to be busy, yeah. but God, it's going to be fun. Are you pumped about it? I am. I love it, especially because I think there's still, you know, we're, our goal with this conference is to really be able to give all the people who are at home a chance to, you know, get a sense of what's going on. Like you said, the innovation hub is always the hottest spot there. It's always the busiest and what people really want to make sure they check out while they're there. So yeah, we basically get to be like the red carpet interviewers at, uh, at the innovation lab. Yeah. Does that be mean? Does that make me Juliana Rancic and you like somebody else that I can't name? I want to, I want to know, like, we should, we should think Mario about Mario Lopez. Mario yes, Lopez. right. Yeah, you, Mario Lopez, yeah. and I'm Ju Juliana. <laughs> that, that seems about right, actually, probably, most yes. likely. Yes, um, you might have to dress the part for one of the live streams. You never yeah. know. Yeah, but all you Talk fans, let us know who, who's your e-host uh, for the red, uh, NRF red carpet that we most resemble. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, but then we roll into Manifest, and I, like we've talked about many times on the show, we'll put a put a link in the show notes too to get it use the OmniTalk discount if you want to attend that show you get $300 off your registration if you use our code so check that out and then and final announcement before we get to the meat of the headlines this week we got our big awards show next week 2021 oh, yeah. annual OmniTalk awards we've got Kristen Kohler Burroughs and Dave Ritter from AM stopping by they're going to do the award show with us top retailer top CEO top tech my favorite category, most overhyped tech we're going to talk about. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a blast. Yes. Cannot wait. Um, well, Chris, are you ready to talk about what we're going to talk about today in today's Fast Five? I actually am, and believe it or not, because you know All what? Right. I'm a professional. My voice is shot. <laughs> I've been sick for like 10 days. I'm tired of it. 
But hey, I'm soldiering on. And the reason being, because we got some freaking cool headlines today, folks. All I'm right. Sure. Today, today we are going to talk another activist investor urging Kohl's to spin off its e-com business. Giant Food launching a non-grocery e-commerce marketplace. DoorDash entering the instant delivery game. Wayfair's new plans to open up physical stores. But first, we take off with big news about Take off, take off and take us away. Yes. All right. So the folks at Jewel Osco and Takeoff have partnered together to open a micro fulfillment center in a Chicago area store. Chris, the store is going to be a first of its kind for Jewel Osco. Um, it's located in Westmont, Illinois, and will occupy a 20,000 square foot space adjacent to the current Jewel Osco store uh, that was previously occupied by Hobby Lobby. I feel like that's a fun fact for trivia some someday. Um, 100%. The governor of the governor of Illinois was even on hand for the ribbon cutting ceremony, Chris. So, JB you know, this, this is legit. Okay. This Every is a big name deal. Yes. Yes. It's for huge. the Windy City. Um, Chris, this is also AM. Chad's after you, man. Oh, he is going to put Chad he wants to put it's it, Chad this like a vendetta. Chad's vendetta. Yes. Good yes. God. All right. Um, so, Chad wants to know what you think about this network footprint choice by the Albertsons and Julasco team. Is putting this micro fulfillment center next to a store, a better way to optimize this whole investment. Um, and from a customer experience standpoint, compared to some of the other standalones, like we're seeing from Kroger and Ocado. So Chris, what do you say? What do I think about that? Well, well, Chad, happy to answer that question. I think there's, I actually think it's a great question. Um, and I think there's a lot of nuance to this answer. And to, I think to provide that, I think we've got to get a little more background on, on what's actually happening here. So, right. you know, there's some key stats I want to share first and foremost before I answer that question. And I think number one, um, this center is designed to pick about a thousand orders a day. Um, right. And therefore, those orders don't have to be manually picked by Jewel employees or third party delivery drivers that are coming into the store. That's the whole point of it. Right. It also covers a delivery uh, area of about 20 miles. So it'll service more stores in this in this Chicago area than just the store that it's located next to. Um, it also costs about seven point six billion dollars. Sorry, no billion dollars, not billion dollars. That would be insane. <laughs> million dollars to build. It also employs about twenty seven more workers too, which I think is an important point. Uh, and then you know, so to answer Chad's question, with that as the backdrop, I think where it's located isn't as important as what is it's designed to do. So the idea here is that it's a small micro fulfillment center. It's designed to use automation so that you don't have to use your own employees to pick and pack or third-party delivery workers to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Now, you could place that close to the store. You could place that near the store. Or, you know, in the case of Okada, you could take a different approach where what you're really talking about there is a much larger size fulfillment center where your idea is that you're serving a much bigger area with, with lead times that are a little more lenient than, say, what you'd find from your tr- traditional local grocery customer. So both can work but both have to be designed in the right space. What I like about, or I think the important point to bring up about the location of it being right next to the store is that you do get some synergies there because the other important point, and check my numbers on this. Yeah, but check my numbers on this. I believe from the article, if I'm not mistaken, the warehouse is going to carry about 6,000 items, which is in no way the full grocery store, but it's the core of what people are going to order online. And any orders that come in that aren't fulfilled from the center can then be picked from the, the joining store. So that's an important aspect of how this whole thing works together to make the efficiencies. Plus you get the scale of the inventory being shareable across two very close locations and the supply chain value in delivering to basically what is essentially one location versus two disparate locations disjointed from each other. So those are the points that I would bring up in answering that question. 
it's not necessarily that one is right or the wrong. It's just that they're very different. There's, there's very different angles to how you can look at this and very different values to it too. Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. I actually like this move um, because I think that it helps almost future-proof um, Albertsons and Julasco in this case for what the grocery store of the future looks like, what the footprint looks like in the future, because I do believe that we're going to start migrating to smaller footprints um, and also, you know, like you said, 60% of the repeat orders that people make to this Julasco location are all going to be, you know, picked by these robots. And then the last ones will be supplemented. I think this makes sense to kind of merge into next phase. Um, I also think this is particularly interesting because this is two miles away from Amazon Fresh. So the right, new Amazon point. Fresh store that's fully autonomous in Westmont is two miles away from here. So I think this shows a great response from Albertsons and Jewel Osco of how regionals are gonna have to start competing and stepping up their game to compete with the Amazon Fresh that's going down the down the street. I mean, it's on the same street, two miles away. So I think um, this is a great move from the Jewel Osco team. And I think, again, a future-proof move for them as, they, as we move into new grocery formats. Yeah, I agree. I mean, net-net, like, it's cool to see Albertsons, you know, Jewel Osco pushing into this, into their, their other brand. They said they're going to open another one on Roosevelt Road and Canal Street in Chicago's near West District next summer. Um, it's cool to see. It's good to see. I'm still surprised, though. My last point would be I'm still surprised to see that we haven't seen more people taking this action Absolutely. with micro-fulfillment centers in some way in grocery, especially in regard to the threat that you just posed with Amazon. I completely agree, Chris. We've got to see something accelerate. I think that we're going to start seeing it in 2022. When these Amazon fresh stores start opening up in people's neighborhoods, I think we're going to see people put the pedal to the metal on these that's kinds good, of types of fulfillment centers. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, that maybe that's kind of the canary in the coal mine for a lot of these the retailers, that they start to recognize that, so to speak. All right, Ann, are you paying attention? Because I don't know look, that you look are. Look how wide my eyes are, Chris. I'm I know. definitely paying attention. You've got attention. a basketball hoop in your backyard. You must be in some Airbnb. There's a swimming pool behind you. Some tennis court lights, it looks like. Like, you're, you're <laughs> schwankiness right now. I don't know if I can keep up so, with you here in the frigid tundra of Minnesota, but I hope you are paying attention because this next yes. headline is brought to you by Attentive. And if you want to learn more and to see why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue, visit attentivemobile.com slash Amitok to request your demo today. Okay, and headline number two is that Kohl's has been facing pressure from an activist investor to spin off its e-commerce business. According to the Wall Street Journal, in a letter to the Kohl's board this past Sunday, the New York-based hedge fund Edgin Capital LP, God, I love those hedge fund names, yes. wants the retailer to examine the two alternatives to improve its lagging stock price. Edgin believes that Kohl's digital business alone would be worth, wait for it, at $12.4 billion. And that is billion oh with God. a B. Now, keep yeah. in mind, Kohl's current market value is just under $8 billion in total. And please make sense of this for me, please. Chris, I can't. I, I cannot make sense of this. I don't understand why we keep seeing this happening. I mean, I think about, I guess, I, I, for me, I go back to the current Kohl's customer and is that customer because they're the only ones who have the the association with the brand who have that name recognition that might go online to you know find a Coles branded like heated blanket I don't, I don't understand Chris I'm really just baffled by this move that's and the, that's the product you associate with Coles that's awesome 
I mean, yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind. I'm sorry. Uh, but it's like who won? Like, this is an entirely new business model. And Kohl's is still trying to figure stuff out in physical stores. Like, how are you going to now spin this off? And how is it going to be worth more than Kohl's current market value? And, and who's going to buy it? Like, who who's in this market other than that one company that was like buying up Pier One and all these other things? And where is that going? We haven't heard boo from those people hey. in months. So- I don't funny. know, Chris, what, what do you, what do yeah. you do? No, I think it's funny that you brought up pier one. Cause I was thinking about that too. And like, I'm going to be blunt here. Like if this, like, if this is such a great idea and it's funny that Mickey Drexler came out yesterday, I don't know if you saw that, but Mickey Drexler came out for those listening and said like, he doesn't make this, he this makes no sense to him either. Right. Um, the right. merchant prince. But if this is such a great idea, then why in the hell did places like Herbergers and Bonton all die off? You know, like, why didn't yeah. they just sell their e-com side of the business for far more than the value of the company? And you said Pier One, or I'd even throw TRU into the mix. Look at the trouble TRU's had of setting yeah. up that brand in physical and definitely the digital world. The digital world's harder than the physical world. So to tell yeah. me that there's more value in the digital side of this, it doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me in any way, shape, or form. So like when you put the lens to it in that way, I think the whole idea just sounds preposterous. I mean, where do we go next? Like is JC Penney's the next target for this? <laughs> like is JC Penney something going to be worth billions of dollars? Yeah. And it's not be surprised. It's not like e-commerce isn't overcrowded already. So all these like old outdated department stores become e-commerce sites. Like who's going to buy all that stuff in a crowded marketplace? Like it just, it's so ludicrous to me, but and final word on this. No, I, I, I don't know that I have much more to add, Chris. I just, again, I take it back to your customers. And I think the recurring theme this podcast is like, who are you as a retailer? What's your identity? And how do you figure that out and stick to it? Because this is, this is going online is not going to solve your problems, Coles. There's, there's a lot of other things you have to, to look for. And your customer certainly is not going to follow you there. I just don't think that's possible. So anyway, like I said, we're talking about retailers having identity crises this morning. I'm going to go on to headline number three, Chris. That is kind of um, a theme of this podcast. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Uh, so Giant Food has just launched an online marketplace to sell products other than groceries. According to Retail Touchpoints, Chris, Giant Food has launched its Ship to Me marketplace on its website which will add tens of thousands of new item categories to complement the retailer's primary offerings. So we're thinking like health and beauty, home decor, seasonal items, kitchen and dining, outdoor pets, and premium pantry products, Chris. Uh, this will be available to giant customers in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and Delaware. Chris, I mean, have you always gone, have you gone into giant stores and been like, I need premium pantry products and I just can't get them? I don't even know what a premium pantry product is, but I do like the alliteration of that. What is a premium pantry product? I don't know. I think of like popcorn. God. Is that I think of like the popcorn like, canisters like that like popcorn sent. that they don't want to put yeah. on the shelf and sell. Yeah, 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 want, yeah, yeah. Don't invest yeah. the inventory in. I guess so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I and this story, you're. I think you're identity. I hadn't thought about the identity crisis of retailers in 2021. That may be a big theme here that we're you're hitting on. But I mean, I'm starting to think that marketplaces are close to not quite and we'll talk about this more next week i think close to overtaking live streaming is the most overhyped trend of 2021 Ooh. yeah no i really think that because this i don't like this move because no matter how giant tries to sell this or spin this you're looking at what ultimately will be a me too disjointed customer experience down the road so like say i want to buy a premium pantry product or my favorite the outdoor <laughs> category of products at my grocery store um 
you know, why, why am I going there in relation to anywhere else that I can shop for that stuff? You know, yeah. and, and how is that going to, and why should I buy them from giant? And how is that going to coordinate with my experience of, okay, I want groceries. I know when I'm going to get those groceries, all these other marketplace products are going to arrive at my house at some random day. They can try to tell me those orders are going to be coordinated. It's funny that in the, in the article, they said that you can order them all in one cart. Yeah, I can, but the deliveries are never going to happen at the same time. Exactly. So like, I don't really yeah. get that versus like, if you go to a target or a Walmart or Amazon, which is the best at this from an online perspective that already has that reputation and that infrastructure set up as a one-stop shop. Exactly. Like it just, I it, this doesn't make sense to me in any way, shape or form. I thought you might like this, but it sounds like you're more on my side of this argument than, than not. No, is that true? no, I, I don't, I don't like this move. I mean, I just keep reading these things thinking like giant, think about your customers. Like, are you just going to, if you, if everybody starts going out and just competing with target and Amazon and Walmart, like you, you're not that you're not those guys. Like, that's not how you're going to get ahead here. And you're going to remain competitive. Like giant is well loved. And, you know, they've they're in their communities that they're in like focus on that you're doing so many smart things like think about micro fulfillment centers think about you know investment in in-store robotics like you are like all the things that they're focusing on to just really make their store experience as good as it possibly can i think that is where i would be doubling down kind of not to say stay in your lane but I don't know, invest in, in what your strengths are instead of trying to compete with everybody. You know, we saw Costco make an announcement yesterday too, Chris, that they're creating Costco next, which is, you know, expanding yeah. their e-commerce presence too, like giving you more, which again, like, I don't know, are people yeah. really going to like go to, you know, awnings.com and type in their Costco member number? Like, I just, I think this yeah. feels like a really disjointed experience. And I, I think customers, like you said, to your point, like it's overhyped. I think customers are just gonna be like, dude, just give me what I want from your store, which is why I go to your store. Yeah, you know, you're bringing up, you're making me double down on my point about the most overhyped tech, you know, of 2021 too. And now I'm, I'm thinking about who the pundits are that start talking about these things early in the year, and I'm gonna start watching for them, and I'm gonna start going out a little bit earlier next year on what I think these are because, yeah, I think you said it right. Like, and you don't usually drop the know your customer line very often. That's not in your no. in your in your value oh, no. like all I that often because we actually. Trust me, I hate that, but I think you're right here to use it in this case because, like, the point is how are you going to differentiate yourself in the long term? This doesn't differentiate you. And and the other thing, too, it's probably going to be expensive. I mean, and you you and I run Urban Rooster Shop, which is a marketplace. It costs yes. freaking money to run that, and ours is really yes. small scale. You're talking at least millions of dollars here to stand this up. You got to have the technical capabilities. You got to have people running the site. You got to have people reaching out to source the vendors that are going to provide goods for it. You're talking at least a few million dollars here. And yeah, your money's better spent on things like micro fulfillment, which we just gave the cost of what that is. And it yep. can probably be even less than that. And, you know, looking at com computer vision automation too, I think is something you've got yep. to look at too from a checkout standpoint with Amazon coming. Um, so yeah, I, I, I just don't get this at all, but all right, let's keep moving on. All right, let's, let's go to headline, headline number, number four, four, Chris. All right, DoorDash has introduced ultra-fast grocery delivery in New York City. According to a press statement that the company recently released, deliveries will be made out of new, a new Dash Mart warehouse in the Chelsea neighborhood. And in a key twist, DashCore, a DoorDash company, will employ full-time courier employees who will work regular schedules, be actively managed, and use a new app designed specifically for their unique work which includes job responsibilities beyond delivery. And I hope I can just get through the rest of this read. And the yeah. roles also come with benefits of traditional deployment, such as hourly earnings and medical, dental, 
and Vision Insurance. And what does this announcement signal to you? I don't know. Ever since you said in a key twist and we're talking about de- like instant delivery providers, I don't, I don't know. I, I, could, I lost it right there, Chris. Um, okay. No, in all seriousness, I think what we're seeing is that it's a big everyone, announcement. Actually, this is it's big, a huge announcement. Yeah, probably the biggest Every, announcement of the day. I think actually, in yeah. retrospect. Yeah, everyone's investing here. So, like big retailer, small retailer, grocery retailer, beauty retailer, drug retailer, general merchandise. Everyone is investing in instant delivery. So, if you aren't on that train already, retailers, you better get on it before we get into 2022. I think that what's unique about this model is what you mentioned last, Chris, is that how the retailers that are already in this space are starting to tweak things a little bit to figure out how to capture more revenue, how to get to profitability, and how to streamline operations. So I think something that we saw here, like giving employment versus gig workers, you know, you know, as your model for supporting this so that you can start to do, like reduce thing of employee churn and other things that are happening, um, you know, to keep your business flowing and, and to keep the process going. I mean, we saw an other announcements from a whole Joker is expanding and now DoorDash. I yeah. mean, it's now going to be about how you become profitable, how you differentiate yourselves in the market and how you continue to streamline operations. Yeah, I think you're bringing up great points. I mean, I, the, the key takeaway for me on this is I think the writing is now on the wall. And we talked about this with Instacart a couple of weeks ago, like what is Instacart going to be when it grows up? Yeah. Um, and I think this is just more writing on the wall that third party delivery on its own is not going to be enough. It's not going to be sustainable in the long run because that service yeah. will be commoditized to hell and there's going to be lots of people providing it. And this instant delivery idea is real, but I think what this also shows you, and a lot of people have hinted at this, is to do it well, you actually have to know how to do it and you have to do it consistently. There's some talk about how automated the warehouses need to be. Uh, you know, you need to have your own delivery drivers, your own network. You've got to keep that thing on the rails and going really, really efficiently. And so it shows you where this is headed. Um, I think it says a lot about, you know, DoorDash in terms of what their aims are. It shows that they definitively want to be a retailer now too, which I think is an important point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it, it puts Instacart in the conversation we had a couple of weeks in perspective. And it also puts more, you know, interest for me personally in following the space and what the likes of GoPuff and, and everyone else are doing too. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's an important announcement for for those reasons, because it shows you what needs to happen in the long term for things to coexist. hundred percent, Chris. All right. Well, let's close it up. We got headline number five here. You're going to love this one. Well, I, I, I saw, I, I saw this, this come one. through on our text thread this week and I was like, oh man, this is definitely making the fast five this week. So according to the wall street journal, Wayfair says it plans to open up three new physical stores. They will be under its all modern brand and one location under its Joss and main brand. Uh, the stores are planned to open in 2022 and will be the first in a series of openings for all of its five brands, which also include Paragold and Birch Lane. Chris, if I quiz you right now, could you tell me what the five Wayfair brands are? No, in fact, I couldn't. I those are I, you know, the article only listed four, and I couldn't think of what the fifth one even was. So, like, like, do, do actually, that's my question. Before I answer this question, do those mean anything to you? 
No, I mean, not at all. And dude, just, I mean, we are retail people. I'm, I'm right. wondering if you asked the a person who bought something from Wayfair last week, if they could answer that question. Did you you just shopped on Wayfair doesn't... too, right? You, oh you literally God. just shopped on Wayfair like a couple of weeks ago. And I did. Like, I did. It still means not nothing to you, you, right? No. And and you don't, you're not even looking at the names of the, who's it, who it's coming from. You're going, you're searching incorrectly i learned that i i i'm like an uh, ambiguous case in the terms of online search on an e-commerce site but yeah you just um, shop online kind of weird but that's okay yeah but i mean this is not gonna wafer is gonna be dumping so much money into trying to get people to have awareness of these brands once well, they open it's insane well that's the thing i here's the thing i don't think that they are going to be dumping much money into it and i think that inherently is the problem so i'm going to be really scathing on this so get ready for this fans and and I hope you like it too. And if you don't, let me know. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really direct on this. This idea makes no sense either. It's clearly, in my opinion, just a case of Wayfair. Another case of Wayfair, like it's physical retail experiments before having no vision and trying to left brain experiment their way into the answer. That's the part where I say it, like it's not going to cost that much. It's just a, all it is for them is a left brain experiment. And of Ugh. we have private label brands. We want to put them out. We tried a Wayfair store. That didn't work. Now we're going to try something else because... We own the inventory. We don't have the dropship components of basically what everything else we sell on our site we can manage it better. So we're going to do this. But honestly, I think it's not going to work. And it, honestly, the fact that that's a strategy shouldn't be a surprise because Wayfair is the company where, quite honestly, it's where ex-management consultants go to be surrounded by other like-minded people that sit around and tell them how smart they are each and every day. Wow. Yeah. That's aggressive. Yeah, it is. And so that's why this doesn't work to me. Like, because if you think about the journey of the customer, what the Wayfair brand means to people, it doesn't mean anything in this context of like one individual one-off store. Why do I need that in my shopping journey? I'll say this. I've said this before and I will say it again. What Wayfair needs, they need to get creative. They need to get a vision of what the Wayfair brand can mean in the physical world. And for me, that means a 30 to 40,000 square foot home furnishing installation it is showroom based, yeah. probably even guided with your mobile phone as a shopping experience, probably has the assorted, you know, dining experiences, bar experiences, helpful service staff, the whole nine yards that plays into what you sell best, which is drop ship furniture in a very easy and straightforward logistical way. But I would tell you quite honestly, based on what I'm seeing here and based on what I've seen for the past four or five years, I don't think the CEO, Nerd Shaw, has the vision to be able to pull off physical retailing. I don't think he has the chops to pull off the physical retailing side of where the Wayfair brand needs to go. And that's my take. That's I know it's pretty harsh, but I really believe it. I, I, I wouldn't bet on them ever figuring this out based on the continued way they try to experiment with this idea. Yeah, it's such a disappointment too, Chris, because I love the idea of a Wayfair store like you're talking about. I mean, 100%. you think about what our alternatives are right now to the, you know, the generic furniture stores out there, it's Ikea. And I think Wayfair, which it is, is this place right in the middle where you still get high design, but the quality is a little bit better, you know, than Ikea, but not quite as expensive as, you know, dropping six grand on a couch at, you know, your local furniture store. And so I think that they, if they could do this in the right way, like you're talking about, um, they could have a really phenomenal concept here. I think they could go neck and neck with Ikea and really be like this, this elevated older sister of an Ikea experience that has the, the showroom style offering that in, like involves tech 
that even at its very baseline could be just a return center. I mean, that's the biggest friction point for me with yep. Wayfair that keeps yep. me from ordering. I mean, my husband and I almost got divorced over it two weeks ago. You had to take him to Walgreens, chairs. right? You had to take the body to, take, to Walgreens. Yeah, he had to take, return, yeah, three giant boxes in a trailer. Like, it's a terrible yeah. experience. It could be something really great. And uh, it's such a disappointment that this is the way that they're going about it. But So, so final thoughts on this. I 100% agree. You know, you think about that, that kid is he's a great example. Like you think about you build a big branded, you know, signpost for all the big communities throughout the country yep. around what Wayfair is. And it's big intentionally for that reason. It's a big fuck off show of like, we are Wayfair. Here's what you get from us. If you don't yep. know us, come check us out. If you know us, return your products, come shop with us more. But to do that takes a vision and a belief that that is the answer because there is no qualitative or qualitative and quantitative proof that it's going to be. And that's what core merchandising in the physical world is all about. It's about having an intuitive sense of where the market wants you to go and having the guts to build it. And quite honestly, I don't think Shaw, the CEO, has those guts. All right, Ann, let's well, go to the well lightning said, round. Well said, Chris. Now that I've got you fired up, I'm going to take you into the lightning round. All right. Uh, Chris, question one. Mark Laurie is back, baby. Oh, he's yeah. Going to lead his, he's going to be uh, the CEO of his new food delivery experience company. Is that what you call this? I don't really know how to describe it. Wonder. Um, and Chris, I'm wondering, have you ever had a Michelin star dining experience that you thought, man, I'd rather have somebody out in my driveway bringing this in and, and I'm dining at my house? Absolutely not. And, and the funny thing is when you read this story, like that's not what this is. That's what they're trying to pitch it as. But really yeah. what it is, it's like the Rick Bayless at the airport store, the Bobby Flay at whatever place you want to get there, you know, just you know, getting those recipes, doing it in a, in a, in a, in a food truck really quickly, limited, there's gotta be limited cooking, um, you not utensils, but capabilities yeah. in yeah. terms of what's yeah. available in that. So you're going to be limited what you can do here. That that's what they're selling here. It's glossed up. I'm, I'm kind of sick of this one too already, but it's going to, it's probably going to be big. So no, this is lightning <laughs> round, Chris. Quick answer. No is the answer. Oh, sorry. Let's move yes. on to lightning round. I can't talk today. I just want to talk more. Eh? talking more all right this is my favorite quite one of my favorite questions for you engine capital lp the company that's pushing coals <laughs> sounds like the new penetrobe from office space in the 2020s and if you're an activist investor what would your cool bro sounding name be oh i would definitely be enigma capital call just call it what it is nobody knows what the hell any of these hedge funds do anyway so enigma capital enigma capital is probably what most, most people listening to this podcast think about us right now what the fuck are they yes talking about? All right. <laughs> All right, Chris, HEB is going all in on live streaming and it has hired Dawson JVB himself to kick it off with a 75-minute yes. special called A Very Texas Christmas. Chris, what 90s film or TV star would you hire to kick off A Very Tempe Christmas? Is the Vanderbeek even from Texas or do you just do that one movie? Like, I got to look that up later. That's definitely on my to-do list. But, I think oh, he man. has to be if you're going to have him leave. But, oh, man, he looks old, too, which made me really sad because it was like, oh, I'm old, too. It's Varsity Blues you, is JVB. such a good movie, though. God. Yeah. All right. Yeah. A Very Tempe Christmas. I love the title of that. I think A Very Tempe Christmas would have to be hosted by the one and only Brad Michaels from Poison. Oh, hell yeah. yeah Good answer. Sure. Good answer. Right? Poison, right? They got that right? Yes. Not very yes. Musical, but yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. A big fan of this. All right, Ann. Amy's Kitchen, the famed purveyor of healthier frozen food, will open 25 to 30 drive through restaurants over the next few years. What is your favorite Amy's indulgence? Oh, burritos, without question. I love this concept. 
organic fast food. Brilliant. Can't wait till we have one in Minneapolis, Chris. Sorry, wrong answer. The correct answer is enchilada. But happy birthday today to Michaela Skinner, Donnie Osmond, and Dave Judy Dench. And remember, if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business, make it OmniTalk. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice-weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. And remember, I'm not just bad. I'm just drawn that way. <laughs> the OmniTalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities towards their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And Attentive. See why thousands of brands use Attentive's SMS platform to send interactive marketing campaigns that better engage consumers and drive revenue. Visit attentivemobile.com slash Omnitalk to request your demo today.